Nothing can replace Jesus. Will you say that with me? Nothing can replace Jesus. But how easy it is, though, isn't it? Um, This season of year, we get busy with so many different things and wonderful traditions, lots of good things that we do. Uh, But sometimes in the midst of it all, we realize as we're looking back, we're replacing Jesus with things that just can't replace Jesus. Uh, I read a statistic this week. I thought it was really interesting that... um, about how uh, people use gift cards. How many of you sent or are giving gift cards this Christmas to some people? Anybody? Yeah. I read a statistic that said that about 10% of all gift cards that are given are not used. Think about that for a second. 10% of all gift cards that are given are not used. Last year, they said that uh, in unredeemed gift cards, there were over $1 billion in the U.S. in unredeemed gift cards. As I was reading that, I was thinking about my message today, I was thinking, wow, a billion dollars going unredeemed by people who have access to it. But you know what? A lot of us in this time of year don't redeem the one billion dollar gift that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, his son. Amen. Now, I want to talk about that today. Um, In this series, we've been looking at the story of the shepherds and their encounter and and how that speaks into our life and our journey and learning how to reclaim the joy that God has promised that he wants us to have. So once you do this, take your sermon outline out, if you would, and you can track along with me. And we're going to throw some words up on the screen. If you'd like to read along in the Bible as I do the different verses, there are Bibles right in front of you in the back of the pews. Those are New International Version. Bibles. And uh, by the way, those are our gift to you. If you would like to have one of those, or if you'd like to give one as a gift to someone, you may feel free to take that with you today. We'd love you to have it. Here we go. Let's look at the passage of scripture, Luke chapter two. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When I was working on this series, the the thought I had when I was reading this verse was this. I wonder if there were shepherds who didn't go. I mean, we hear about the ones who did, and maybe all of them went, but I just wonder if there were some that for whatever reason decided not to. And what an unbelievable opportunity they passed. And I kind of stepped back from that, and I, I looked again at this story, and I identified some, what I think are just really good thoughts that were really good thoughts for me to process, and maybe they'll be good for you as you think about whether or not you're going to just have Christmas or whether or not you're going to encounter Jesus this season. Are you ready? Here we go. Let me me walk you through a few thoughts this morning. Here's the first one. God um, invites, but he doesn't demand. God invites, but he doesn't demand. Think about this in the story. The angel of the Lord comes to the shepherd, and he tells them um, what's happening, that the Savior is going to be born. He tells them where it's going to happen. But I want you to notice he doesn't demand that they go. 
He doesn't say, if you don't go to Bethlehem and do this, if you don't go and see him, then something bad is going to happen to you, or I'm going to punish you, or I'm going to get you. He simply says, here's what's going on. Here's the invitation. It's up to you. And when I realized that, I thought, you know what? That's exactly how God is with us, is it not? He doesn't demand that we come to him, doesn't demand that we respond to him, doesn't demand that we embrace him, but he does give us this beautiful invitation. Um, when I was a, a youth pastor here um, before, back, oh, probably seven, eight years ago, when I, when I was here or so, um, it was so funny. We, we used to have activities um, on Sunday nights a lot. And uh, there was a, a, a grandmother in our church who was raising a couple of grandkids. And she had one of her grand, the, the grandson that she really wanted to connect with the youth group and come participate. And he wasn't really inclined to do that. And her and I had had conversations, and I tried as much as I could to reach out to the young man and invite him, let him know he was welcome, and all that kind of stuff, but he was, he was pretty resistant. And I remember one Sunday night, this is when we, we were still at the downtown location, down at 10th and Chartel. Um, one night after church, I'm standing up front, and, and we're gathering kids together, going to the van, and a grandmother come up, and she, she said, you know, I, I, I really hope he'll go tonight. And I said, well, man, we'd love to, love to have him. And he, as he walked by, she said, were you going to go? And he goes, no, you know, we're going to harshly. And, um, and the mother looked at me, and I'll never forget, she looked at me and she said, grab him, Steve. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's not happening. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not about to get into some tussle with the kid right here, in the, you know, right here at the, at the altar. You know, that's just, that's just not going to happen. And even, even if I did, even if I did, you know, manhandle him into the van and get him to wherever it was we are going, you can't force people to receive what God is offering. Now, look at me for a second. Just make eye contact. I, I want you to hear this because God's never going to force you to him. But he will constantly and consistently invite you to him. I love how it says, read, throw that scripture up on the screen. Revelation 3.20, I love this. Read it out loud with me, would you? Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will do what? I will come in. You got to understand this. On the door of your heart, the doorknob is only on the inside, folks. You have to open it to him. You have to open it to him. I love this. Paul was writing to the, to the Roman church. I, I think this is his writing to us as well. Read it with me. And you, dear friends in Rome, are among those he dearly loves. You too are invited by Jesus Christ to be God's very own, yes, his holy people. Yes, his holy people. Look at me. You, Chartel, are dearly loved by God. And you are invited by him to be his very own, to be his holy people. God will invite you. He just won't demand. Then I had another thought. Don't keep God at a distance. Don't keep God at a distance. Come on, it's just us. How many of you have ever kept God at a distance before? I've done that. I've done that. You know, sometimes we don't want to hear what God has to say. Sometimes we're afraid of hearing what God 
has to say. I, I wonder again, just, uh, you know, maybe with the shepherds that were there, not, I, I wonder if there were those who, after experiencing the angel and experiencing all this stuff, you know, were just fearful enough to say, you know what, this is as much as I can take. I don't, I don't know that I want to get uh, any closer. But God doesn't want us to be that way. God doesn't want us to hold him at arm's distance. I sat back and I started thinking again, so how do we do that? What are some of the ways? I put these on your outline just so that you could be thoughts and you can, you can kind of, you know, we, we keep God at a distance when our faith is ritual rather than relationship. When it's ritual rather than relationship. When, when you feel that the totality of your journey with God is, I say prayers, I sing songs, and, you know, I, 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 I do these certain things, and that, look, God doesn't want that. God wants relationship. There's a beautiful Hebrew word used in the, in the Old Testament. It's the word yada. It's the word that means, it means to know intimately. You go to Psalm 139, and the psalmist is talking about, Lord, you know me. That's yada. I, you know me. You know everything about me. You, you see the good, the bad, the ugly. And God invites us, get this, God invites us to know him intimately as well. God doesn't want us to just simply be uh, worshipers and a God or a divinity. He wants us to be friends. He wants us to walk with him, talk with him, be with him. Does that make sense to you? Not just ritual and relationship, but also he, he wants, whenever it becomes routine and, and, and not real connection, routine and not real connection. You know, I, I was telling Wanda yesterday, one of, the, one of the things God's been pricking my heart about that I've got to, I've just, I've got to be better at is, you know, sometimes I'm here, but I'm not really here. And, and I, the last few days, I've been trying to be better about, you know, when I'm sitting with Wanda or I'm sitting with people, putting my phone away so that, so that it doesn't distract me. Because if you're like me, man, I'm always, you know, who's sending me emails? You know, what's the, you know, and, I, and you can take it out. And it, it's so interesting because you can just sit there and just lose yourself. You can be here, but not really here. And we do that with God, don't we? Sometimes it's just routine. And it's not, it's not real connection. It, sometimes it's... Uh, it's rushed, and it's not relaxed. It's rushed, and it's not relaxed. <laughs> when I was thinking about the story, I thought, isn't it funny? The shepherds rushed to Bethlehem, but they didn't rush through Bethlehem. <laughs> Sometimes our journey of faith becomes a box we check that we got that done rather than a vibrant relationship that we try to cultivate. Um, there was uh, some years ago, you may have seen this, I thought it was so, so wild, uh, a church in Alabama developed a drive-through church. A drive-through church, no kidding. At five different windows that you could pull up to and you would get a one-minute whatever um, you could drive up to one window and you would get a one minute hymn. Then you would drive to the next window and you would get a one minute prayer. You drive up to the next window and you'd get a one minute Sunday school class or Bible study. You drive up to another window and you get a one minute sermon. You drive up to the last window and you get a one minute offering. Okay? 
And, and I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And they were talking about how in a, in a rushed culture, you know, how you know, we, we think this is scratching an itch and, and meeting a need. And, I'm, and somehow I'm, I'm looking at this guy. I don't, I don't think this is kind of what God really wants. In fact, there was a, a, a woman in the, in the interview. I thought this was so interesting. This woman said, I'm ashamed to say that I'd completely stopped going to church. She said, between my job and my kids and my errands and just needing time for me. I couldn't seem to make a couple of hours for church work for me. But now I can get my weekly worshiping done in five minutes. I go every week. Thank you, Jesus. Whenever having our quiet time with God, whenever connecting with God becomes a box we check, an obligation we fulfill, rather than a relationship we cultivate, we've moved away from what God has intended. Amen. God doesn't want us to rush through. Throw that next thought up on the screen for me, would you please? Notice at the, uh, at the drive-through church, you can not only do a five-minute, you can get a one-minute wedding too. <laughs> Enough of that. Throw the next one up on the screen for me. Throw the next thought up here. Don't settle for a second-hand faith. <laughs> Don't settle for a secondhand faith. I, 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 when I, I said I stopped back, I just started laughing when I was thinking about this thought because I started thinking about how many times, um, you know, when, when you tell people a story, how people get so engaged in your story, it's almost like they're living it with you. And I thought, you know what? I wonder, I wonder if there were shepherds that said, you know, you go and experience all that, and you come back and you tell me all about it. And sometimes I think it's what happens in our faith is that we live vicariously in our connection with God through the lives and stories of other people. But God doesn't want us to have a secondhand faith. God wants us to experience him for ourselves. And the impact is totally different. Um, I love in, in, in John chapter four, there's a great story of Jesus uh, encountering a woman at the well. And Jesus just unpacks this woman's life in front of her. And she's amazed at what he knows about her. And, and he, suddenly she realizes, you know, this really is the Messiah, the one sent from God. And she has this epiphany moment. And the Bible says in John 4 that she, she goes back and she, she says, she goes to telling her, she says, come, come meet a man. Come meet a man who knows everything about me. Could this be the Messiah? Now, she's giving this secondhand story to all of these people, and they're, but many of them came, and they listened to Jesus for themselves, and then look at what happened. Throw that up on the screen for me. It says, and then they said to the woman, read it with me, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know he is indeed the Savior of the world. Everything changes when you encounter Jesus for yourself. Throw that picture up. Young lady on the left is um, Shannon. Um, I don't know what her married name is, Wanda. Do you remember? Holleran was her maiden name. She was in our youth group in Phoenix. Uh, for the last several years, she's been working as a missionary in Thailand, um, helping women getting out, getting out of the sec or the human trafficking industry. Uh, they are part of a ministry there that provides a home where women can have a safe refuge, uh, where they can learn skills, where they can learn parenting skills, and where they can develop jobs that can sustain them. And, uh, and Shanna went to uh, Thailand, and in her last newsletter, she was telling a story 
about the woman that's on her left and our right. Uh, the name is Pali. And she met Pali when her motorbike broke down. Uh, broke down out in front of Pali's little restaurant that she had. And she went in and she was talking to Pali about trying to get her motorbike fixed. And Pali said, you know, um, my uh, brother has a car wash and garage right behind our restaurant. And I think he might be able to help you. And so she took her motorbike over there. And while her uh, brother was working on the bike, uh, Shannon said that she and Pali had this amazing three-hour conversation. And she said, we talked about life. We talked about cooking. And we talked about faith. And I found out Pali was from a, uh, her family was Buddhist, though she didn't really have a whole lot of religious connection anymore. And she said, we hit it off so well that we, I decided that I would come back uh, every once in a while. And, and we developed this relationship where I would come back and Pali would teach me how to cook Thai food. And she said, and I promised her I would teach her how to cook American desserts. And she said, we built this wonderful relationship. She said, well, then one day I came in and she said, and Pali was really upset. And, um, uh, and she said, Pali told me that uh, her mom had developed cancer. And she goes, I was listening to Pali and then her daughter-in-law who was talking to her. They were talking together. And she said, as I listened to them, she goes, I, I was a little hesitant, but I asked them, would it be okay to pray for your mother? And she said, they kind of were a little uncertain at first, but then she said, they finally said, yeah, that would be okay. And so they gathered together and, and Shannon prayed. Shannon said that she didn't see Pali for a while, and then Pali had closed her restaurant down, and she said, I still took my motorbike back to the car wash to have my bike washed from time to time, but she said, one day I, I came, and she said, it was so funny. She said, because when I pulled into the car wash area, she goes, I heard Thai worship music coming over the speakers. And she goes, I thought that was so interesting. And she said, and then suddenly there was Pali. And she said, Pali came out and she said, we hugged and, and Pali began to talk about how her mom's uh, cancer, she said, it be, began a, a, a total reversal. She said, the doctors don't know what to do. This is, but my, my, can't, my mom is now cancer free. And she said, the doctors didn't know what to attribute it to. And she said, and we remembered your prayer. And she said, now not only had Pali come to Christ, but their entire family were now all going to church together as a result of this. A faith that they have observed had now become a faith that they owned for themselves. And that's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. Amen? Not a secondhand faith. God wants you to experience all of who he is, all for yourself. Let me give you one more. Come as you are. Come as you are. You remember when I started this series, I, I told you what shepherds were like. Um, shepherds in the first century were not, were not regarded as nice people. For the most part, they were uh, a fairly motley crew. Um, they were uh, ceremonially unclean. Uh, they were not allowed uh, by law to testify in court uh, because you couldn't trust them. Uh, they were people who were known as, you know, uh, thieves and whatever else. And they, they weren't a group of people. And, and, as, and as I was thinking about this, all of a sudden it hit me. Here they are. They're out in the field. They're with the sheep. I mean, they're doing this fairly nasty job. 
And now they're asked, come to Bethlehem. Well, you know, there, there weren't any shower stalls out there in the fields. You know, there weren't really any bathhouses probably close by. They, they, they got together and, and they went and they came to Bethlehem just as they were. In all of their sin, in all of their filth, in all of what they were. And God met them right there. And that's the same invitation to us. Aren't you glad you don't have to get your act together before you come to God? But you come to God and God will help you get your act together. You know, the hardest thing that the religious community had with Jesus the hardest thing they struggled with was how much time he spent with sinners. He spent so much time with people that they didn't believe were deserving or worthy of coming to God. In fact, I love it in, in, uh, in Luke when Jesus sees a tax collector named Levi, who tax collectors were just despised by the people. And Jesus invites Levi to follow him. I love what, how the story trails from here. Throw that up on the screen for me. It says, later, Levi held a banquet in, in, in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But when the Pharisees and their teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them. Read it with me. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. When I was writing this this week, I sat back and I had this thought, and I thought it was just so, so cool, and I wrote this, and I put it down on your outline. You know, the shepherds still smelled like shepherds when they got to Jesus. Maybe that's why God met them in a barn. Look at me. God is not afraid to step into the muck and the manure of your life. You don't have to clean up your act and get it together before you come to God. In fact, what I'm going to tell you is you're not going to be able to get your act together before you come to him. He says, come as you are, and I'll change you into who you can be. Amen. Throw that last picture up on the screen. That is uh, St. John's Episcopal Church in Washington, D.C. It sits um, right across the street, right across Lafayette Square from the White House in, in, in Washington. It's a, a church that's regarded as, uh, it's called the Church of the Presidents. It was built in 1816 and beginning... Um, with James Madison, uh, pretty much every president uh, since then has attended that church, at least some. It's a very prestigious place and again, filled with a lot of uh, kind of uh, very powerful people from Washington. In April um, 1989, uh, George Bush was, and his wife Barbara were walking into that church. And uh, as they were walking, there was a, uh, a homeless man uh, in his mid-50s who was uh, there on the sidewalk uh, close by. His name was James Wallace, uh, James Wallace Brown Jr., or James Wallace Jones Jr. And he yelled out 
to President Bush and said, pray for me. And George Bush stopped and turned to this man and said, no, you come in and pray for yourself. You come join us and pray for yourself. And he did. And this homeless man who didn't look very nice and didn't smell very good began weekly attending St. John's Episcopal Church. He was fighting alcoholism, which by God's grace he overcame. He became a member of the church. He became a regular attender there every Sunday. Uh, the ushers said that every single week when they passed the offering plate that, that uh, William would work, reach into his pocket and pull out a dirty, crumpled up $1 bill and he would put it into the offering plate. For the next 11 years, he faithfully attended that church. There were some parishioners who helped him find a job, some others who helped him find an apartment, a man who made a traumatic transformation. He died in the year 2000 uh, in December Right next to the church, there is a, a garden area where the ashes of less than 100 people through history have been allowed to be buried. But William Wallace Jones is one of those whose ashes are now scattered in a place that was saved for the best of the best. God did not require William to change anything about himself before he came to him. God accepted William just as he was, and he accepts us just as we are. Amen. What's in your manger this Christmas? Have you been so busy with everything else that the real reason for the season, Jesus, has he been replaced by other stuff? Could you use this morning maybe a, your own personal trip to Bethlehem? Well, this morning, I, I invite you to that. Rachel is going to come on back, and I'm going to ask my prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and take your place and and this morning, I just want to invite you to uh, just a time of leaning into God. Um, I, I don't know what you might be uh, wrestling with. I don't know what you might be uh, struggling with. Now, I don't know what you might be encountering in your own life right now. But this morning, I, I invite you. God just looks at you this morning, and he doesn't want to be arm's distance away. He, he doesn't want a secondhand relationship. God wants to be close to you. James said, if you will draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll hear my voice and you'll open the door, I will come in. And God will meet you with whatever you've got this morning. And you can pray that prayer right where you are if you want. That's fine. But this morning, if you would like one of our prayer partners to pray with you, they would be more than happy to do that. We're going to sing this song, and it's a, 
It's a beautiful song that just made me bawl this week. It's a song that says, just as I am, without one plea, come with all your brokenness. Come with all your issues. Come with all your problems. Meet a God who opened his arms to the shepherds, and he opens his arms to you. Oh, God, I, I have no idea why you love us like you do. We're celebrating a season that reminds us that for God so loved each one of us that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us not to be shepherds that stay behind, but I pray that you would help each one of us to come and experience you for ourselves, not keeping you at distance not living vicariously through somebody else's story of faith, but just as we are with all of our problems, all of our struggles, all of our sin, and meeting a God who's full of grace and mercy and love and power. Lord, you know each one of us, and you know today where exactly we are in our walk with you. I pray that as we celebrate this season of the year in so many ways, all that are wonderful and good, please help us not to leave behind the billion-dollar gift that you gave. Help us to remember the reason for the season, that Jesus invites us to come to him. We love you, Father. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.